0: hello everyone and welcome to grief burrito we are a comedy gaming and movie and entertainment podcast that comes to you every single wednesday i am your host harrison Wilde, and today i'm going to be taking you on a solo journey through night in the woods First of all, thank you so much for checking out this episode. This is my first solo episode. I feel nervous without a co-host to fall back on. So feel free to let me know how you think I did in any of the comments, wherever you're listening or wherever you're watching. Anything like that, please let me know if you have any feedback. I'm more than happy to hear it. And if you want, hit subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. Drop us a little comment down there. We'll have a chat about the game. Let us know what you thought or join the Discord community because it's always popping off in there and it's always a great time to have a chat with us about what's going on this week. So Night of the Woods, for anyone who doesn't know, is a brilliant indie side-scroller game that is rich and deep and thick on the story and the atmosphere and the tone, while remaining light and cartoony, which is impressive, to be honest, to get that much heartfelt feeling in a game and deal with some of the tones that this does while remaining so light is ever impressive to me, really. It remains the only game that I have started, played through, completed three times in a row, back to back, without playing another game in between. Just gone back and just thought, I just want to experience this again. So what I thought I'd do first is give you Steam's description of the game, as I thought that might be a nice place to start. So college dropout Mae Borowski returns home to the crumbling former mining town of Possum Springs seeking to resume her aimless former life and reconnect with the friends that she left behind. But things aren't the same. Home seems different now. And her friends have grown and changed. Leaves are falling and the wind is growing colder. And strange things are happening as the light fades. And there's something in the woods. Night in the Woods is an adventure game focused on exploration, story and character, featuring dozens of characters to meet and lots to do across a lush, vibrant world. After a successful Kickstarter, it was created by Infinite Fall, a team of Alec Haloka, Aquaria, Scott Benson, Late Night Work Club, and Bethany Hockenberry. So, so, let's talk about the game. The game begins with a somewhat creepy quote that you only really glean its meaning from when you play through a second time. The quote comes from May's granddad, and if you play The Lost Constellation which is a free-to-play spiritual prequel to this game you, you will be familiar with him because he's not actually present in this game, he's already died by this point, however you you can find his ghost a special area if you do manage to find that part of a little side quest. Now the quote you do have some control over as one of the main features of this game and one of the reasons that I love it is that the narrative is controlled by you somewhat. You have a lot of choices in the dialogue trees that are built into this and it makes the story so much more engaging. So the quote is In the year that Granddad died there was the worst flood since 1998. Greg was trapped on top of a doghouse and the power was out for two days. Casey Hartley came by in his dad's boat, and I laughed when I saw him. Grandad left me an apple crate of books. He loved ghost stories. And he quoted them to himself in the hospital bed. They feared death, so they ate the young. On his last day, he sat up suddenly and stared bug eyed through the window. And he turned to my dad. Eyes still wide. This house is haunted, he said. And died. So I've got a few things I want to mention about this quote. First of all, May states that they were in a hospital, not a house. Unless he means well, unless May means in a home as in, you know, a home as in a hospital for old people. Or did he mean hometown? And they ate the young. And now we're getting somewhere. This is where the story starts to get a little odd. And this is what really, really interested me. Because on my first playthrough, I, I was taken aback by that. I was, I was quite shocked that a game that looks so colourful on the outside, that with such, I don't want to say simplistic art style, because it's not simple, it's, it's more minimalism. That a game that is so vibrant and almost childlike on the outside started with a quote like that, that it could have such dark connotations to what was going to come ahead. And right after this, you know, it, it is, you're suddenly plopped right into a colourful screen of a bus station where May is stood. At first, you think she's alone. But we meet our first character here, which is the janitor, and he's fixing a doorway, the entry, like the spiritual portal to the town, it feels like. And he's either a ghost of time... Or he's the only thing keeping this town together. Like, it seems to be that he's just fixing everything. He, he, he crops up a lot throughout the game, and he's always fixing random things. So he's not really a janitor to just the bus station. He's just like an overall handyman to the town that seems to just keep it going. And the tone is, is set here pretty, pretty firmly that it's going to be funny, it's going to be weird, and it's going to be dark and snarky. And that is exactly how I like it. It is perfect. Everything that I wanted. And then the janitor leaves and disappears, weirdly. May doesn't seem to know where he's gone, he's just completely disappeared. And it turns out that May's parents have forgotten her, and she's left to walk alone, home through the woods. And this is where you get more control over May's abilities, you learn to jump through a little tutorial section, that kind of thing. And I'm I'm trying not to do a play-by-play of this game, because... I don't want to ruin too much of it, I this is less of like a review, it's not really breaking down the game at every point, it's more of a discussion of what this game means and its themes and its tones and how it left me feeling at the end of it because I mean I want you guys to play this game, I will get into some light spoilers later on but I will warn you before I do so if you want to stop at that point and go and play the game and I highly recommend that you do. So while traversing the dank nature, that is a quote, uh, May comes across the the ruins of what is an old sawmill, and she has to climb up all these logs, nearly dying in process, and, and she ends up finding the old school playground. Oh, maybe it's not the school. It's an old playground, anyway. It's like the skeletal remains of a playground, and it feels like it's a monument to... The skeleton of her childhood that she's coming back to. And now she's coming back to the town where she grew up and she finds it in a less than lively state than it was when she left. Maybe it was always like that and she didn't notice, but that is uh, to be discussed. But finally, Mae does arrive home with the help of being arrested by her anti mole cop. And she ends up scaring her dad when she arrives back home who it turns out forgot that she was arriving today and thought it was the next day and that was why he wasn't there to pick her up. It wasn't a malicious thing. Her parents aren't bad people. It's just she slipped their mind. <laughs> and Auntie Mole Cop is a is a character that's worth mentioning really at the start, being that she's one of the first characters that you meet. She actually is a real police officer, but May seems to talk her down because she feels like nothing really happens in the town. So... How can she be such a good police officer if there's nothing to protect against? However, she comes across very serious all the time. Like, I think she's called Molly. Auntie Molly is very serious every time she speaks and you feel that she knows something about this town. As a player, you're like, okay, she knows a little bit more about what is going on here. But now I wanna get into the art of the world because everyone knows I love art. And it's one of the first things that you see as as a game. You know, it's one of the first things you see. People always say, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a game by its cover. However, it is usually the first thing that you see and it can catch your eye to make you try the game out at the end of the day. And the art style of this game is one of the first things that struck me as special. It really, really did. Uh, years ago, before I even thought about playing it, before it came to Game Pass, which is where I played it, I thought wow that is a really really original look. It's it's almost papercraft, but it's got it feels full of texture. It's got depth to it. Even though it's mainly block colors, which is, you know, it's an unusual thing to say. The characters emote only slightly, but with their features being so minimal, it makes a real drastic change what whatever expression they do. You know, when Mae exclaims, "I have nightmare eyes." And her pupils get all tiny and weird and her face droops. It feels like such an impactful moment because it's such a drastic change on such a minimalized styled character. But the character's ooze charm. It's shocking how much. And it's even more shocking because it's kind of hard to ooze positively, in my opinion. But... Every single character is wonderful, whether it's the anarchistic Greg with his little leather jacket, or Germ with his big beak, or Mr. Chazakov, is it Mr. Chazakov? May's old teacher who stands on top of the roof with his hands on his belly with his telescope next to him. I just whacked the mic. And that is something you have to make sure you do. Don't miss that side quest because it's really, really cool to find all the star constellations in the stargazing section. Every single character is fascinating and hilarious too. Like their dialogue is amazing, and I love the attention to detail that they go into like may has little characteristics like her ear twitches now and then she 's got one ear that 's got a couple of chunks missing, and it just it just, it just twitches every now and then when she 's thinking about stuff a big big eyes are blinking she 's great, absolutely love it now one of the the most impressive aspects of the graphics and the visuals isn 't actually just the the characters themselves like it's not even just like may that you play as it's the world that you're inhabiting the town of possum springs because it's painted in a constant autumn palette a constant autumn sunset even and it may be that may just wakes up late i don't know maybe it's probably more likely that but whenever you're out in the world it's usually approaching sunset there's this orange glow and leaves are floating in the lazily crafted music like the music is beautiful as well like I can't say like it's a great blend of like shoegaze lo-fi tones and it's the perfect autumn feeling not dreary I don't want to say it feels dreary because it doesn't it feels nostalgic for something that you didn't know and there is a word for that and I can't remember what it is But the autumn colour palette, I've made a note here, is oranges and yellows offset with teals and blue. It is so, so beautiful. The lighting in the game is great. For something that's 2D, they've used, like, I think it's volumetric lighting with all, like, the god rays floating through. And it does wonders for the tone of the game. And, like, I've mentioned this before. I I guessed it on another podcast, uh, Pixie Podcast. Shout out to you guys. I'm sure you're listening. The way the town is put forward to the player it feels like the town is in a constant state of autumn in its existence and that winter is approaching very, very soon and probably the death of the town. You see, the town is a mining town. It's in the Rust Belt and it's in decline and you can feel the emptiness setting in. Like May even comments on some of the restaurants closing down and, where is she going to get the great pizza now, now that this place is gone? But it just captures it so, so perfectly. And if you play this game in autumn, like I did, it is perfect. If you go out and wander, looking out my window right now, there's a real long gaze. If you go out and wander in the leaves amongst the orange trees and then come back and play this game, you feel such an extra connection to it. And I'm not the only one who said this. Pixie said this as well on, on his episode that I it on. Now there's there's one big change to the colour palette, there, there is definitely a juxtaposed juxt section, that's hard to say, and it's the dream sequences. Now, at the end of each big day sequence, when you complete like a major quest in each day, you'll go home and may all go to bed and you'll enter into these strange sections, and whether it's a dream or it's a, you're astrally projecting onto a plane of existence, we don't know, May finds herself seeking four ghostly musicians in each section, and you build like a layered piece of music for each of the sequences. And I love it. Like music is a big deal to me. It's since the early Zelda games, playing the Ocarina to build the songs. And if I'm honest, I think that's something sorely missing from the new games in the Zelda franchise. They need to bring the music back. But it makes such a cool impact to find these characters. It feels like you're like you're building the world like it feels like you're really having a hand interacting with it and once you find all these these uh, ghost musicians you're greeted with what seems to be an animal god for each section allegedly they're supposed to represent the the four friends uh, but they're not all the same animals one of them is an alligator and one of them is a cat one of them is a bird but they're not the same kind that the, that the friends are. And, I, and when they appear with their big glowing eyes, and they're, they're, they're very menacing. Uh, May grabs a big donkey head and fizzles out of existence. It's happened to all of us. The gods look great, and they shine in this like, misty blue colour palette, and May has been changed into a different palette as well. She's now blue with neon pink eyes standing out with this crazy cool neon blue eclipse in the sky like a lunar eclipse, solar eclipse, eclipse. It looks great. Either way, it's good. Trust me. Each design of the dream is unique as well. So each one is morphed in a certain way to whatever this town is. Uh, one is sinking in like an endless ocean and there's what what seems like souls floating to the top. They may not be, but that's, the, that's what I took from that anyway. And another one that I actually just played again yesterday because I've just started playing through it for the fourth time, is a town that is on the back of a great coal train spewing out smoke. And this, you know, the background's all flowing past and this whole town has become a moving megalith. Colossus. I'm trying to think of good words. I don't know. I've already said monolithic, so I can't use that one again. But each one gives like a sense of scale to the subject matter. It makes the world feel complex and huge especially the dream where there's a statue from may's university that you take a baseball bat to or a soft softball bat to i think it is i think it's a softball bat i don't know the difference in bats let me know if there's a difference any americans watching let me know if there's a difference but you smash down this huge statue and it's actually quite scary when you break it down because it all starts falling down and pointing at you it's getting closer and closer but the attention to detail in it is is immense and I think it's because they they went for the more simplistic art style that they could then concentrate on getting a lot more features in there like this and so much more attention to detail in the the world building with the visual storytelling. So the, the structure of the game, like I, I thought it was wonderful, and like I I went in blind, not knowing absolutely anything. I just saw the title screen and I was like, right, I'm gonna play that, and I highly recommend you do the same. And I I'm aware that may mean coming back to this episode at a later date, that's fine. Uh, maybe add this to your watch list or watch later on YouTube if you want to do that. Like I said, I'm going to try not to spoil too many things, but I do want to talk about some of the structure of the game. So the game progresses over a few weeks with small like time skips in between, and new people to talk to on each day, and new tasks to fulfill, and little quests to do. And the narrative choices that you go through using the dialogue trees, uh, depends on which friend you spend each day with. And that's like the main quest for each day. And this gave me like huge pause. It didn't give me anxiety. It gave me like a little like, oh, like I want to know what happens on each thing. So it encourages multiple plays, but I found myself like, I don't know which situation I want to find myself in. I think first time I did go with Greg, I think I went, Greg B, Greg B, just to like alternate it because I felt bad on B from not spending time with her because her and May were good friends when they were younger. I've heard people say that the structure of this game, that it starts quite slow and I'm inclined to agree. However, I think it's intentional. I mean, to me, it came across intentional. I think it's supposed to hammer home the small town feeling that like when May arrives back at the town, that she is bored. Not bored. Bored's the wrong word because it's not boring the start of the game. It's just a slower pace. It's very, it's like moving back from the city to a small town. It's just a different pace of life that you might not be used to. Now, our regular listeners will know that I'm from a small town. I live in a small town now. And it's something that I can agree with that feeling. When I I was 18, I packed up, I quit my job. Over the weekend, I decided that I was going to leave to go traveling around the world, and on the Tuesday I left. It was literally, I'm quitting, I'm going. And I did it, and I went traveling around the world, and when I got back, I, I discovered the same feeling that May experiences, in that nothing had changed in my town. However, everything felt different. There was just something that I couldn't put my finger on of what it was. And I think that was one of the reasons why I connected to this game particularly so much, because I did feel like I related to May in that aspect. Perhaps it was because I too spent a lot of time in the woods growing up. I had a crazy friend growing up and I also played in a band. So maybe it was that that could have definitely tied me to it. But as the days go on, you learn that it might not just be in May's head the way the town has changed. And it's only being away for so long that made her notice this change. That something is kind of strange. Perhaps the, the town folk being there haven't noticed the gradual change. And there's a, there's a really... Uh, it's quite a, a nasty analogy, but I don't know who did this boiling frog analogy but apparently it's a thing that if you drop a boiling frog a boiling frog you drop a frog into boiling water it's going to hop out to save itself however if you put a frog in cold water and bring the water up to a boil the frog will just stay there and die because it doesn't notice this gradual change so maybe that is what this town's experiencing that was the way i thought about it anyway there is something really nice about may's friends when you see them change back into the kids that they were or at least lean more towards that way there's a moment where they're they're eating in a diner getting pizza which is not good pizza on the pizza scale however it's still pizza and that is always better than no pizza adam you know this jordan you know this we all know this so may asks who's playing out tomorrow and the friends say we don't play out we're adult we've got jobs you know we're adults and they they do grow and they they almost pull me up into adulthood throughout the game and she sort of i don't want to say pulls them down into childhood because it's not a negative thing she at least helps them recapture a little bit of their childhood which is a great thing and we all should do that don't forget to have fun people it's important the game does take a real shift here, just after this conversation, when they leave the diner, where they make a gruesome discovery, and oh my god, I've got to poke it with a stick. I'm not going to say what it is, for spoiler reasons. But this is where I I took like a mer- meta. I don't know if this is a mer- metaphorical. I took a metaphorical step back. I leant back in my my reclining sofa, and I was like, oh, oh, this story is something else. Like this is not what i expected and this is where the game really finds its stride in my opinion Uh, may has made a tit of herself at a party drinking too much followed by her trying to apologize in the car to b and it's hilarious because all your dialogue choices don't come out what you say because she's really drunk and we hit a discovery and may starts having these strange dreams and now something seems to be following her is it a past? Is it a ghost? Is it a cult? Is it her mental health personified? There's lots and lots of theories about this. And this is where I was drawn into it. The mystery was spooky and enthralling. Like, I absolutely loved it. And like, what the fuck is going on in Possum Springs? I've, I've got to know. And this I was literally hooked from this point. This game goes from hilarious and cute to deep and exceedingly dark as quickly as real life does and i appreciated it for the realism there in such a cartoony game to be that real is it's challenging it's a challenging thing to do one minute you're bouncing on a trampoline with germ being a kid and the next you're breaking into an abandoned building with greg getting attacked by an owl, being chased by a ghost, or what could be, you don't even know, it could literally just be a murderer who is trying to kidnap people. You have no idea. You know, it goes from Harfest and you're dressed as witch dagger to seeing a kidnapping outside by something that before was a shadow, but how did it get through the fence if it's a real person? People who've played the game will know what I'm talking about. People who haven't played the game, go and play the game and you'll know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And there are moments that are so heartfelt and heart achingly honest that I was at a loss for words. Not even joking about that. I was genuinely shocked. And it's because the subject matter wasn't what... I expected it at all and I and I'm glad I'm glad that it wasn't. I'm glad that it, you couldn't tell what this game was just by the cover. And because of the dialogue choices that you you connect so much more with the characters that you interact with. And the way that May scrolls little pictures in her diary is so fucking charming. I love it. Cuz they're all so funny. And it's supposed to be a coping mechanism that was given to her by the town doctor, dentist, vet, who isn't really qualified to do anything well. He's a jack of all trades <laughs> for health. And he said, oh, just make a journal. You've got anger problems. But you, you, know, you learn that May doesn't really just have anger problems. It's a little bit more than that. And we'll get into that when we get to theming later on. As for the structure, like the pace definitely has its uh, slower moments, and again, I think it's intentional. It's to make it more complimentary. It's to give you more time to contemplate and to do a bit of side questing. Because it's side quests, you've got to make sure you do meet some people. And there's a lot of stuff in this game, and it surprised me for such a small indie game. I was surprised that on each of the... I'm saying I'm surprised so much because I was so surprised. (laughs) On each of the three playthroughs that I did, I found new things in each one. A lot of new things. An area that I didn't even know I could go to. Up on the roofs. Make sure you climb stuff. This is a very vertical game. But the rainy day in the middle is the moment that I was talking about where there is a little, little moment of downtime. And... It feels so much more melancholic compared to the other days. The way the music shifts is so dreary. May says she likes rainy days. Rainy days are nice for sitting inside and drinking coffee and looking out the window. So after the after the strangeness that May has encountered and this strange shadow that she's been seeing, she eventually gets her friends on the side to look into this, and whether they believe it's a paranormal thing or not. Or it's, it is a real kidnapping, or whether May has seen this all in her head. They decide to help because that's what friends do—you go on adventures together, hunting for ghosts. So together they try to hunt down whatever this thing is before it gets to May, like it did the other person, if it actually happened. But what they find is much deeper, literally. And this is where I'm gonna—I'm gonna give a spoiler warning because. I don't want to ruin this part for you if you haven't played it. If you're not bothered and you're not going to play it, feel free to carry on. Absolutely fine. But this is where things start to get a little bit strange. But I hope you'll go and play the game first. In the mines below the town, there seems to be a cult made up of either old miners, or I don't mean old young people. I mean miners is in the job, uh, or descendants of the original miners from the town and something seems to dwell in the mine that when appeased allows the town to find some prosperity Uh, but the older generations the older generations that are down there they need the down and outs of the town the criminals that no one will miss the troublemakers and the young people that are destined to have no future. And I hope you remember what May's grandfather said at the start, that they will eat the young. Now, I'm not saying the miners eat the kids. It's a little more than that. It's a little deeper, it's a little darker. If you're a fan of Stephen King, I imagine this is going to be a big draw for you. So whether this is real or not, or whether it's from the gas leaking in the mines or from superstition, it is fascinating. The story they have written for this, whether it's this strange demon that has fallen from the sky, the black goat that you seem to see on a painting somewhere, or in the star constellations that you look at Mr. Chazakov, like it links everything together and it is so impressive. But what is real seems to link the parents' generation of this town to what's going on. And you can even find a tooth in a safe buried underneath May's house, if you do one of the side quests that belong to her granddad, handed down from the original miners. And this could lead some speculation into one of the physical attributes of the ghostly specter that is kidnapping people that you see right at the end of the game, when you have a, like a final scrap with him. It could all go so much deeper. And I, I'm glad that they don't reveal everything. They leave it a little bit to interpretation and I'm glad for that because it makes me think about it more. Lots of things I feel are better when they're not entirely described as your imagination can then run wild with them, which is great. So let's touch on some themes after talking about the story. Like Night in the Woods at its core is a game that's themed around personal history and mental health, and hereditary nature, it seems, or pedigree, if you want to call it that, because they're animals, that we're doomed to repeat the past. Which, if you listen to the old dog lady, I think she's called Miss Rosa, down by the pierogi stand, and uh, God damn it, now I want some, <laughs> some delicious pastry parcels, she seems to say that May's grandfather was as much a troublemaker as she was. And that this strangeness seems to run in the family. I guess the point of it is, is that you you have a choice. You can have a choice to stay, or you can have a choice to go, or make a change in your life. And it comes across great in that way that they're trying to theme it towards the player. Like, choice is hammered into every aspect of this game. Like, Greg and Angus trying to decide whether they should move out to, I think it's Bright Haven, the city nearby that they want to move to. Or the player can choose what they're saying to every character to get you involved with the story. You can choose whether you're spending time with B or with Germ or with Greg to find all these little things. You know, it's it's in every conversation. Like, are, are you going to repeat the past that your family have done? Or are you going to do something different? Make the choice. And May made the choice. You know, she made the choice to drop out of college. She may have felt like the choice was already made for her because of what was going on with her mental health, but she made the choice. And that's against the, the will of her parents because she was the first Barowski to go to college, which is, it causes problems her coming back with her parents. Again, the parents aren't bad, but there are moments of tension in the story. And like briefly touching on mental health, like this game doesn't briefly touch on mental health There's a lot of what is going on with may is what had happened to her in the past and like i haven't mentioned that up until this point that when she was at so this is before the game began when may was at high school she had a psychological incident where she beat another student very badly during a softball match with a bat in front of the whole town And it's suggested that May has what's called dissociation disorder where you start to see the world as just shapes or people as just shapes, just things. They aren't really living things. And that's obviously in the most extreme instances. Like many people experience dissociation throughout their life. Most people may experience it at some point. I I know I have where I've woken up and felt like the world isn't necessarily real. Like everything kind of just feels like a bit of a dream. And it's a weird thing to experience. And May, May describes it like that she started seeing the world as these shapes and that when she, she beat up that student, even the blood on the grass was just red shapes. It was nothing to her. And that's, I suppose it's a nice little nod to the art style of the game. It kind of ties it in that it's got this simplistic art style that is made from basic shapes. And that's a very, very clever tie-in. This game is so deep. On the surface, you think it's going to be one thing, and it completely pulls the rug out from underneath you. It's, It's story, it's depth, it's characters, it's realism, which is impressive because of how it looks, obviously. But each character has a plethora of backstory and depth and personality. They all have wants and worries and relationships. The council wants to rejuvenate the town. The pastor, Pastor K, wants to help Bruce, the drifter, who's like drifted in off a train. He's a homeless guy. And B just wants nothing more than to go to college. And she just can't fathom why May would drop out just because she feels like she didn't want to do it when she had the opportunity and there's a moment with Greg down by the water if you if you go do the little crossbow shooting with him and he just wants to know if he's a good person because he doesn't feel like he is and whether he's doing crimes or not I think he's a good person like he is The characters in this story are all good people. And that's what makes like even the bad guys interesting. Like they think they're doing the right thing to save the town. If the cult's real, if it's real, but what they're doing is horrible. And I want you to play this game. As far as a review goes, if this is a review, it's kind of not. It's just something I wanted to gush about for like 40 minutes, which I have done. (laughs) I just want you to play this game and experience it because it is one of the most perfect games I've played in a long time. And I think that is bringing this episode to a close. I I can't implore you enough to go and play Night in the Woods. It's available on everything, even Game Pass, which is where I played it. Like I said, it's best to play in the autumn, like I mentioned at the start of the episode. Uh, It's genuinely a breath of fresh air. It got me out of a gaming rut, something I'm finding myself in again currently because everything's feeling a bit of a, a cycle again. It's original. It's hilarious. It deserve a clap. I just clapped for it to myself. And the depth of the story and sheer charm that it has on offer will shock you. I'm shocked. Shook. Mild shock. As our friend Patrick Stewart said. Now, I'd love to see a follow-up to Night in the Woods. I don't think we'll get it, personally. I would love to see like a turn-based RPG with the friends. I think that would work so well. They can even do it like top down, even do it pixel art just to like switch it up a little bit. I know that the game is working on a new title. Currently, it's not related to Night in the Woods. I don't as far as I'm aware, in an interview I saw on Polygon, it's not related to Night in the Woods. However, it's got obviously a very similar art style because it's the same team. I imagine it's going to be just as good. But yeah. Now it's time for me to get out of here and do some crimes of my own. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening to me ramble about a game for 40 minutes, saying how shocked I am and surprised I am at this, <laughs> how deep this cartoony cat game is. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a little like, a review on iTunes or Podchaser, wherever you're listening, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Cephalopod, I hope, because that platform is really doing well coming up on some amazing numbers for listeners so thank you everyone who's downloaded the app so far if you want to subscribe on patreon and support the show you can that would be amazing you get the episodes early and make sure to subscribe on youtube if that's what you're watching as well leave a comment below what you thought of the game and we'll have a little chat i always try and get back to all my comments make sure we have a nice little conversation and join the discord if you want to because there's some amazing amazing people in there you can find me personally everywhere at HasWild, literally everywhere You can find this podcast everywhere at Grief Burrito and check out griefburrito.com for more content. We've got some reviews going up on there. We've got game reviews, movie reviews, product reviews. We've even got Pokemon cards on there for sale because now we're now official stockist of Pokemon cards, which is insane. So you can support the show and get some of these cards that are really hard to get, like I have been collecting again because I'm trying to recapture my youth, my childhood. I need it. Send help. (laughs) have an amazing week guys i've been harrison this has been grief burrito and i will see you next week see you later